guys for all you do. <clears throat> Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word? Did you spend some time alone with God this week with no agenda of your own, but just to be with Him? Okay, the next one is, do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you invite someone to church with you today? Share Jesus with someone this week? You have a story to tell. Please tell it. You do. If you know Jesus, then you absolutely have a story to tell. And it's an amazing story because he loves you. He redeemed you, called you his own. What an incredible God we serve. Isn't it awesome to have Lisa up here signing? I love it, man. Thank you. Oh, I mean, every time I look, I just get blessed, and it's so cool to have that happening. And we want to reach a, another group of people that is highly unreached in the church, and that's the deaf community. And so we want to be able to reach out to everybody and reach out with the good news of the gospel, and this is what it's all about. So, you know, I am committed to change. I don't know if you know that or not. But it's actually one of my core values of my life. And it's not that I like change, it just happens. And if you don't like get involved in it, it's going to happen anyway, and all it's going to do is frustrate you. So you might as well embrace it and go with it. Now, I'm not saying just accept everything that's going on in culture. I'm talking about life. Life will always bring you changes, which is why your seats are somewhere different today. <laughs> so the only... <laughs> The only people that could find their seats are those around the camera and that over there on that side by the cross. However, we did displace some of you because of the multiple aisles and the changing of the seats. And yes, I did that. So if you're upset, fine, just text me. It's all good. <laughs> uh, but I, I want you to know the reason for that is to make us uncomfortable in a good way. Let's find ourselves. Where are we? Does it really matter? You know, because the fact of the matter is we are all in routines, habitual creatures, and we like to do the same things over and over again, even if we say we don't. We do. Like, I have my routines every single day when I get up. The very first thing I do is go and hit the shower. I need to wake up, so you're welcome. I take a shower every morning. And so then after I get done with the shower, I walk out and I start the coffee because that is like second to the shower that needs to be done right? So after this coffee starting, I'm praying, I'm listening to God's word as I do all these things. I go outside, uh, actually I feed the dogs first, then I go out and feed the horses and the cow, check on the chickens, the water. It's dark now, so we have a flashlight. We're out there doing these things. I come back in, and then I uh, have other things that I'm going to do in my spiritual disciplines throughout the day, and I have them all in my phone as reminders, like, Dave, you have to do this every day, because you see, I want things to become routine in my life, especially in my walk with God, especially to pray for specific things that need to be done, and so I have created those things because I'm not a normal, like, uh, regimented person. I'm a fly by, you know, whatever, let's go do something, I'm fine, let's like go and do, I don't even care, I really don't. I'm fine with us just changing the services next Sunday, I'd be fine with that. Like if you guys say like, we'd rather have the service at 845, I'm like, I'm in, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, I'd be totally fine. Now I know a lot of other people wouldn't be, our whole tech team, because it's going to change that, it's going to change our worship, whatever, all I'm saying is, let's go, man, I'm all excited about that. So I had to teach myself to be regimented. And now when my regiment gets messed up, my whole day's messed up. All right, so like if something happens that it changes that, I find myself trying to chase 
everything else backwards. And everything is kind of like piling up now because my alarms go off at specific times for every reminder. And so once that routine is messed up, I'm like, man, I am in trouble. I've got to like stop everything and try and hurry up and get these things done, which is never good. Because a lot of that stuff is to be with God. A lot of that stuff is to pray and to spend time with him and listen. So if you're in a hurry, it's kind of like, hey, God, I'm listening. You got like 30 seconds. Let's make it good. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's never a good thing to rush through what we need to spend time doing. But as we move along, see, I know this, that some of our routines are actually not good either. You know, some of our routines are... Uh, by the way, like, the reason I was excited for the Captain Crunch is I eat that every night. No, <laughs> so, you know, like, I'm not telling you to embrace that routine. Someone asked me if it's doctor recommended, I'm going to say, yes, it is. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, am, I, I, am, I am just telling you, I've been doing that for years, and uh, my blood work is all good. Like I said, just everything's cool. Uh, so, but not all routines are healthy or good for us right? So you have to assess those things and what you're doing. So let's just move along so everybody doesn't get dwelled on that. And I don't know where it went, but don't touch it. Uh, So anyway, (laughs) so let's just talk about a life change. Life changes are difficult. The way they're difficult is to sustain them. I can tell you multiple times that I started working out and it's pretty obvious I didn't stick with it, right? (laughs) I have high metabolism and and having and everything melts off me fast. And so if I'm not intentional in doing it, it's crazy because it just falls away. And so every time I've started to do things, I've taken Spanish four times in my life and I can read the Taco Bell menu. <laughs> See, what I'm, what I'm, and I don't really like Mexican food, by the way, but that's beside the point. Let's just talk about this. So, um, <laughs> sorry, let's, let's go where we need to go. So, like, you know, what I'm saying is, is if routines don't become sustained, they fall away and we begin to do what we've always done. Because those things are natural to us, even the broken things, even the things that are not good for us. So, the things that we can be comfortable with doing, and everybody is comfortable with our routine, and we're, you know, um, but if we need to break that, and we need to change it, You know, sometimes our routines are either causing or part of uh, the brokenness that we have in our life, but we continue to do it. Now, I know a lot of people were asking me, like, why are there rocks up there and stuff? Maybe there's a reason, maybe there's not. It might be just there to distract you or to cause you to try and figure out what's going on or anything, but to make us think there's a reason, and we'll get to it. But right now, I want to talk to you about something else as we're going along here, right? So we're talking about change. We're talking about routines, talking about brokenness. We see everything that's going on in our life. We want things to flow in a natural form. I I know a lot of perfectionists. And, uh, you know, when things don't go exactly right, it can really disrupt you. It can. And so, like, our worship leaders, my son used to be part, um, our oldest son was part of that. Uh, team in in the past and stuff and I know like it's like we want everything perfect you know like it's got to go like this it really does it's okay you know it's not a big deal 
So, like, let's move along here and find out what God wants to teach us. If you've been following along in the daily devotionals, which we do Monday through Friday, we have a YouTube channel, they're available to everybody, just a couple minutes to help us stay focused on Jesus moving through the week. We've been doing a thing on Nehemiah. Now, if you do have been following, you know he is absolutely one of my heroes, and I got a lot of heroes in the Bible, but this dude is amazing. You know, he's so amazing. He is. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. Like, he was just a guy. And God used him amazingly to change a nation. So please don't think that you don't matter or that you can't make a difference or an impact on the world around you. I mean, when you look at what God does, it's incredible. So as we look back in history, and I love history, and the Bible is history, just so you all know, and you need to make sure that you understand that history is not separate from the Bible. The Bible is history. Past, present, and future history is written in that Bible. It is an incredible, incredible gift that we have been given by God. So Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar had come in. As you know, we've talked about this recently, and they destroyed Jerusalem and completely annihilated the wall, destroyed the temple, burned every gate, and they took captives away, and they left Jerusalem in devastation and rubble in 586-87 BC. It's a fact in history. It's all biblically written, biblically prophesied that it would happen because God knows everything. And he knew the heart of the people, and they would not repent. And so this was his warning to repent. Years later, some of those that were taken in captivity are still serving in that foreign nation. The Persian Empire had now come to the, to the forefront, and Persia had taken over those, many of those regions of Babylon. And so now we see Nehemiah serving the Persian king. And so what's going on now is Nehemiah sends a message back and asks about what's going on, and he's like, everything's in rubble, man. So he talks to the king after prayer, and he's given permission to come back and uh, do something about it, okay? So you need to read the book of Nehemiah to know what I'm talking about. Let's move where we're going. Nehemiah has now already been traveled back. We're going to read a little passage of scripture here in Nehemiah chapter 2. Here we go. So this is Nehemiah himself writing what happened. I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. Isn't that awesome? When you spend time with God, he will put something in your heart. Guarantee it. God is good, man. He's amazing. This is Nehemiah now. He says, we took no pack animals with us except the donkey that I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's wall, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and the burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate into the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So I, so, so though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. So what he just told us is I went out to inspect everything. There was just debris everywhere, all kinds of brokenness. And he said, I couldn't even get back the way I thought I was going to do it. So I had to go all the way back and backtrack to the only access that I found. Let's move on now. Think about this. Now I want to tell you something. Like we can read our Bible and like kind of like have no perception of time. But if you know anything about your history, and if you study it, you'll know that Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem in 433 B.C. 
over 150 years, Jerusalem was in rubble, and people were living that way. 150 plus years. Think about it. So this brokenness that was there, this no protection, all vulnerable, had just become normal to them. Children had been born. And when the children were born, they were raised in that environment, and so it was normal to them. See, they never knew or had seen anything that was structured. It was always rubble. And so what happens when everything is always rubble and broken, and it's everything is just normal in its brokenness is, we learn to navigate through the brokenness. <laughs> we learn how to function in the brokenness, and we never address the brokenness. Man, think about it. It's so crazy, isn't it? What they had done is they had adapted their entire lives, their travel, their movement, their protection, everything they had adjusted to that normal. Wow. I'm like, Lord, Jesus, help us, man. Not only had they had to adjust their life to the brokenness, but they lived in vulnerability constantly, open to the enemy's attacks. No protection whatsoever. So they adapted their lives to this. They just like, okay, this is easy. And I, I'm just telling you, church, we can do the exact same thing. We do the exact same thing. We just get so used to our normal that we just adjust whatever needs to be adjusted to accommodate what's there, and we just kind of learn to live with it or go around it or ignore it. We can't. See, God is an amazing God of perfection. And the reason Jesus came and gave his life for us to redeem us was to make us right. Because sin broke us. We were a mess. And so he came to restore life. And he planted the Holy Spirit inside of everyone that would receive him saying, now you have a source and a power that was not available to you before. And now we're going to start doing this the right way. We're going to build a new life. That's God's gift to us. Church, and so many of us are so much into our routine that we just stay in the brokenness of the rubble instead of stepping into the new because it's different. See, this, these are the things that I hear. Uh, that's just the way I am. <laughs> We've always done it that way. This is part of our family. It's my personality. God understands. I'm doing good in all these areas. So, you ever say any of that stuff? I'm not asking for a public confession. You can if you want. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we, right away, we're aware, but we navigate around it. I know I should, but... I did it a little while ago. I told you, I eat Captain Crunch every night. I justify it because my blood works good. I don't sleep well when I don't eat it. I mean, I got all kinds of reasons I can tell you. Bobby doesn't recommend it. 
if you don't know who Bobby is, that's good. My wife is always flashing that thing and say, Bobby says no. And I'm like, I don't care what Bobby says. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> anywho, move along. So that was not a plug for him. I don't know him. All right, let's do this. <laughs> so what happened here was the people had learned to just adapt their lives to their current environment. Church, I mean, you know, the Church of Jesus Christ by name is simply a adapting itself to what's going on in our culture instead of addressing the brokenness that is there. It's happening. Families are doing it. It's like because it's impacting us, we don't really want to address issues that are there. Let's just kind of navigate around it. <laughs> we don't have to accept brokenness. We don't, church. Please hear me. We don't have to accept brokenness as normal. Now, I know your family was normal, my family was normal, because it's the way we grew up, but it doesn't mean it was normal. And your own home is probably not normal except to you. Our church isn't normal. I'm aware of that. I'm aware with a lot of other... Uh, it's not you guys. I'm just saying us. You take after me. So, you know, it's like we're not normal. We're not a normal church. And a lot of people will tell me that when they visit. Like, this is it. You're not a normal pastor. This is not a normal church. Thank you is my response to that. All right. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. Okay. But at the same time, I don't want to embrace abnormality for the sake of being abnormal. I want to change and be whatever God wants me to be. And so if that's not like normal to the average person, so be it. And if we're not a normal church or a normal family to society, who cares? Church, if we're following what God says, we're not going to be normal in this world. We're not. It can't be. Because you see, we are different. We've been redeemed from and made new. And so if we're not abnormal to the world, we're not living right. <laughs> so stop navigating through the rubble of life and accepting the way things are. God is a God of change. Addictions can be broken. You are not in bondage to anything when you come to Christ except the love everyone around you. That's it. God's word says that. You don't have to be an addict. There is recovery in Christ. And that's not like I'm not disrespecting the programs. We have Celebrate Recovery. I'm all for it. All I'm saying is we are not slaves to brokenness. We need to step into the newness. Abuse can be stopped. It has to end. It needs to end with us. Verbal, physical, sexual, any kind of abuse that's going on, that needs to end with us. That's not normal. And we can't just accept it. And if it's happened to us, we ask God for healing, and we ask it to end with us so that future generations don't deal with the brokenness that sin has in our lives. I want you to know that sin, we have been given victory over. Church, we as Christians need to stop allowing sin to own us and own the blood of Christ and the victories provided and stop doing it. When God's word says that he makes a way for escape of every temptation, he's like, hey, man, it's on you. If you keep falling to the same old junk, it's because you are used to your brokenness, and you'd rather choose that than the way God's given you out. Stop doing the same old stupid things when you already know the same results are going to happen. It's not going to change. 
Let's move into Jesus and let him do it. How powerful is our God anyway? If he's not more powerful than sin, then we got a problem and it's serious. He's amazing. Let's read the next couple verses here in Nehemiah. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back, entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there of what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. Look, before I read the next verse, all I'm saying is when God says something, we don't need anyone's approval. Don't wait for it. We step into what God has said, and God will lead, and others will follow. Watch what happens. But now I said to them, you know very well that what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Come on, man. Do you hear me? Church, we are in disgrace in our whole culture. And the church is watching everything as it falls apart. And we're standing back. And God's like, why would we own this? Why are we standing here? Let's do something. Step up and rebuild what God wants to do. God wants to restore, redeem, rebuild, and make everything right. Now we can just step back and say, oh, well, it's been this way. It's been going this way. It's in disgrace. Church, that is the, listen, this is the deal right here. He goes on and he says this, look, let us do this, not looking for someone else. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Church, I mean, like, this, that should excite you when you hear that. It's like, oh, you know what? It wasn't an easy task. There was a lot of work to be done. And so now there was this speech given, and everybody's like, woo, yeah, let's do it. It didn't go that way all the way through if you know the book of <laughs> Nehemiah. <laughs> Once you start picking up rocks and you start piling up the right way and you start doing stuff, you know, you start to get bloody hands. There's calluses, there's weariness, there's attacks from the enemy. Read the book. It's all applicable to our lives. So here's the thing that I want us to see this morning more than anything else. The material that was needed to rebuild the walls was always in front of them. They didn't have to go find rocks. They were there, right in front of their face. Do you hear that? Think about it. Everything they needed was provided, and instead they avoided, navigated around, and just left it lay. And yet there it was. The answer to their solution was in front of them for over 150 years, and nobody did a thing. Huh. I'm like, whoa, God, help us. Maybe they were waiting for someone else to do it. <laughs> Maybe they didn't think they had the ability. <sighs> you hear me? I mean, it's like, whoa, Lord, everything was there. But it was in a pile. It didn't look the same. 
Some of it was marred by ashes and had fire, but it didn't destroy the rocks. They were still there. The very stones that once were their security were now the debris that they avoided in their life. And God's like, hey, somebody, somebody, does anybody hear me? And here's Nehemiah over to foreign land like, God, send me. Let's do this. God's like, you're it, man. Let's go. And he came to the people and he's like, hey, isn't God awesome? He's amazing, man. I'm like, oh, Lord. So what they saw in front of them as a hindrance or a nuisance, Nehemiah saw as the answer. Isn't that crazy how we can do that? Some of us are wired to see everything negative. I know that. I know that that's your first response. Just relax for a second and start looking for what God can do instead of looking at the negative. We're always looking at the problems like it's no hope. You know, I mean, that's like, hey, God, you know, I realize you've redeemed the world in the past, but man, we're a mess. It's a little different now, as if you didn't know. You know, it's not the same today as it was. No, it's not. So what? Come on, seriously. It's so easy to see what's wrong. I can give you a list of 10 things that we don't do well here as a church. And I'm talking about, I'm your pastor, I'm aware. I know we don't. I know we always have these needs. There's this, there's that. It's all, yes, okay. And I can dwell on that. And I can go into depression this week and hide in my house. Like, we suck. Oh, my goodness. We're such a terrible church. God, I'm a terrible pastor. Oh, I'm over here. God, why, why can't we do this better? Why aren't we doing that? Why can't, why don't, where? Or I can step over there and say, man, God, you know what? It's awesome is at least this many people read the message I sent out. <laughs> Y'all didn't get that message, just so you know. <laughs> Not everybody got that, so you don't have to start looking for it. All right? All right, so you know what I'm saying? Like, I can look and see, like, wow, we had X amount of people. I don't even know the number. I'm just saying at the altar. You know, I don't mean this bad. Hear me right when I say this, like, Everybody wants to know how many bikes we had at the blessing. I didn't even count them. I don't care. I don't. I only cared last year when I promised to shave my head if there was more than 150. <laughs> I didn't say that this year. I was going to offer my wife's head, but, you know, I said was going to, but I had to go home and live with her, so I knew better. So, all right, so what I'm saying is it's not about that, right, because I do know this. I do know this, that one individual that I spoke with, as Kim and I were talking, it's like, it was all worth it. I already know it was. That one, that one, that one God thing that happened that we were aware of, it was all worth it. So, you know, it's like, and, and I say this in a good way. If everything else was messed up, you follow me, and nothing worked right. We didn't have the volunteers. We didn't have everything we needed. But that one person had that encounter with God. Then, oh my goodness, that's where we should be dwelling. Right? We learn. Yeah. I'm not ignoring what went wrong. I'm focusing on what God did in the midst of even what we did wrong. Okay, so let's move forward. 
Let's continue to look at what God is doing. Assess your life. Know that you are not the same. If you're walking with Jesus, don't let the devil rub your face in the broken rocks of the past. Say, I am not that person, and I'm going this way. And maybe there's only this much of a wall constructed in your life, but know that God is building a wall in your life. God is doing that for you, church. Celebrate it. Thank God for what he's already done. Just imagine what can happen if you say yes. Oh, my goodness, he's so awesome. Okay, so Nehemiah was a man of God's vision. He had God's vision that he had received in his heart by a simple, I'll do it. That's it. And so he saw the potential, not the current condition. I, I know this, and I'm, again, I'm not beating on the end times thing, but I, I bring it up because it's like the more things that happen in the world around us, everybody's like, I mean, I had people in the blessing come back, hey, we're at the end, aren't we? I mean, look around you. I'm like, yeah, all right. So instead of seeing that, you know what I mean? Like it's so easy to like see that and kind of like step back and wait for it to happen instead of seeing that and saying, oh, God. You're a God of change. You're a God of healing and restoration. You're a God of redemption. This doesn't have to be the end. God, we're asking for a move. And you know, church, that possibly, I'm not telling you God caused any of the garbage that's going on in our world, but it's just so possible that God is using what the enemy meant for evil for good. I mean, I think I heard that somewhere. Okay, so something had to happen. The landscape needed to change, right? The landscape needed to change. What was in front of them the whole time, even when they shut the door on their house, was still there when they opened the door. So like, like as long as my house is in order, I'm comfortable. But like, we need something to happen outside the door. And so the landscape had to change outside in front of them. And so they had to do something about it. So all he said was, hey, you all in the front row, this is your section. Start stacking the rocks right there. Don't do it. I'm not telling you to get up, okay? <laughs> you should probably have a wall in front of your house, don't you think? It might protect you. Oh, hey, all you in the middle, you should probably come right over here and start making a difference and build those rocks. And all of you, and all that's what they did. So everybody wasn't like intimidated. Like if I'd had to go and pick up all these rocks this morning, I'd probably still be doing it while you guys are coming in doing it for church. But you know what I did? As I said, hey, when you come in, bring a rock and put it on the platform. I sat in my chair and rocks appeared. <laughs> Amazing. Is God awesome or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to take them out too. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't mention that, but let's, let's move on, right? All right. So here's the deal. They had to do something with what was right in front of them. And too many Christians just simply navigate in the midst of their brokenness or simply accept it or whatever, whatever. I just want you to know our God is bigger than any of the brokenness in this world. There is no pile of rubble he's not willing to move. And that's in your life. <laughs> he's so good, man. I'm like, I am so blessed about this because this, 
Oh, you ready? Let's make some spiritual applications with this. I'm not on my action steps, so don't get too excited or start moving. <laughs> Sorry, let's move on. Faith is the key to start the work. It is. But after faith is engaged, you know there's work to do? Do you know that? It's like it's not all just faith. Here's the problem what we did in the church, and I don't know why we did this. We started like, we just need to get everybody saved, so say the sinner's prayer with me and believe in Jesus, and then we just go on our way and leave those people isolated over there like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. No. The work starts. Life changes. We become a disciple of Christ. All we have to do is read our Bible. When we read the Bible, he tells us there's a lot more to it than, I don't mean I'm adding to faith. Don't. Don't go out of your misquoting things. Faith begins the journey. But the word of God tells us there's things that we're going to do. And there's a work aspect, not working for your salvation, working because of your salvation, that changes us going forward. So in this new life, there's things that are going to happen. So God wants to build something amazing out of our brokenness. You are to be a tower of God's power. Right? It's not like we're not relating to people because we're still broken. We're relating to people because we're no longer broken. Like, I was your way too. Yeah, man, I know what you're at, but I want you to know how much better it is over here. I want you to see what God's done. Stop trying to relate to the brokenness and start telling them about the healing. They know their brokenness. They're living where you used to. Let's take them where they're not. And that's in the wholeness of Christ and the reconstruction project that God is actually doing in our lives. 2 Peter 3, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. It's all there. Church, I want you to just like visually see this. The answer is right in front of you. God's like, I've provided everything you need to live a godly life. To live a godly life. No excuses. We don't have any excuses. Like I said, as soon as we hear something like that, we start to say, well, <laughs> no, there it is. By his divine power. Church, I want you to read it with me. It's right there on the screen. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Let's move on. Here's the next verse. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous grace, a glory and excellence, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that what? Uh-oh. Enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Whoa, yeah, I figured it might get quiet right here. I just like thought that as I'm reading it. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. So the Spirit of God lives in the believer. And so the power of God lives in us. And we have the promises of God from the Word of God that give us the ability to no longer live that broken life. But that we begin to do the work of reconstruction into the life that God intended for us to live. When he gave his life for us. <laughs> We're not done reading. Aren't you glad? Let's keep going. To share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of, in view of all this, make 
every effort to respond to God's promises. Now, church, here you go. This is now coming back to us, right? You do see that, right? See, like we were talking about faith a minute ago, and he's saying, yep, and your faith engages the power of God and the spirit within you. Now something is coming back to us. Now we have to make every effort to respond to God's promises. What does it say then as we move along? God says he's provided it all. I've given you my word. I've given you my spirit. Now you've got to step into it. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. So there's more that he says right here about this. You ready to hear it? Let's do it. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. All right, so if you got your notebooks out or if you're, this is the scripture. I'm not making this up. I'm not saying like, oh, I know they need moral excellence and I'm making notes to share with you today. This is God's word. And it's talking to the church. You do remember that, right? This is to Christian people. People that have said yes to Jesus, people that have the Holy Spirit within them, people that are embracing the word of God. It's like, okay, now you need to make sure that you're actually living it. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. Let's get smarter about our walk with Jesus. And knowledge with self-control. Self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. Uh, I'm sorry, yes. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. You got your checklist of to-do this week now? The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that awesome? Seriously, it's like, whoa, God. Do you know, church, I mean, I'm, again, we can, we can look at the problem, and I can tell you that the church has absolutely fallen on their face in this, which is why we're in a mess right now. That's why the church is in a mess right now. That's why our Christian universities are in a mess right now. I'm not talking about the public stuff. Of course they are. I am talking about the church, the places, higher institutions of education that are called to create men and women of God that will step out in the world and represent Jesus. They're a mess. They're a mess. We're stepped back and we're like, well, you know, hey, as long as you know Jesus, everything's fine. No, he says that we got to move on. We've got to grow from that place. We've got to add something to our faith about the transformation of our life and allow God to do something with that brokenness that builds up something amazing that says there is a God, and that's our life. God's amazing, isn't he? <laughs> okay. Um, we're almost done, so if you're like watching your watch, just relax. I'm watching it for you. <laughs> so here's what we have to do. We have to apply and work at these things with the Holy Spirit's power to change what is broken and build godly lives that speak to the brokenness that used to be into the glory of what God can do. I mean, your, your life should be a glory to God. It should be. 
I have one more verse from there again. I don't want to end it on a negative note. I'm not, but this is the, I'm reading it right out of the Bible, right, where it just told us to add all these things to our faith. Come on, grow up, step into it. This is what it says. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that should be our mantra for discipleship. Do you realize where you used to be? Do you know what God has done for you? It's like, if you don't see that, you're crazy, man. You need to step into everything that God has for you. Fully embracing the newness of your life and begin to work at the transformation he desires in you and in me. It requires effort. It requires me embracing things. It requires a little bit of rawness on my fingers and building calluses in the right way because I'm doing the right work. Forgetting. Did you hear that word when I read that? Forgetting. <laughs> I read it right there in the verse. Forgetting that they have been cleansed. Forgetting. And I'm like, man, God, you know, I am a good forgetter. <laughs> so, you know, this is why the enemy focuses on things. Um, he wants us to focus on things of failure rather than victory. Because he wants to, to forget what God has done. He wants you to forget the power that gave you the ability to, in the very moment you said yes to him, where the Spirit ignited your heart and soul, right? He would rather have you seeing your past rather than your future. He'd rather have you dwell on last week's failure than the opportunity that you had, that God's going to grow you through that, and you're going to set that aside and not go back there again. He wants you to dwell on that and just say, well, it's the way I always do it. Failures rather than victories. Past rather than future. He wants you to forget what God has done. He does not want you to see what God can do. <laughs> By you engaging the power of the living God that is already available to you, within you. You don't have to give in to anything. Church, we don't. You see, when we give in, we're surrendering the power that God has placed within us, and we're forgetting that he has already changed us, and instead we're embracing our brokenness that is our history rather than the newness that is our future. So there it is, a pile of rocks. So God says, have you repented? Have you turned from your sins? And are you now pursuing the life that Jesus died to give you? Are you doing that? Yes. Church, would you stand with me? If you are not, it's time to do that. Are you tired of the lies the enemy's telling you? Are you tired of the brokenness that seems to pile around you no matter what direction you turn? And are you tired of just going back to the same old garbage all the time? See, it's time to see what God sees, not what you see or you think you see. He's bigger than all of that. I want you to know, church, you can live this new life. You can. So what is the area that you need to supplement your faith with? Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, Love for everyone. 
I mean, what is it that you need to work on? If you're a born-again Christian and you're walking with Jesus, whatever it is, it's time. See, the Spirit of God saying, let's do this. Let's build that life the way I died to make you. That is my prayer. God, I want to be the Christian you died to make. I want this church to be the church you died to make it. Why would we want anything less? It's available to you, church. You feel the Spirit of God calling you. Would you come forward to the altar? Just join with the rubble and rocks that are here and just say, God, it's time for a rebuilding, a restoration moment. God, it's time. I'm ready. We're not simply calling you to faith. You understand that, right? We're saying we're engaging faith, and now we're engaging the work that God has called us into to begin that process of rebuilding with the Holy Spirit's power. I don't have to be the same as I was. I mean, from this very moment, I want everybody to hear me. From this very moment, you don't have to be what you were when you got here. It'll never have to happen again. We're moving forward. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, God, for your amazing word. Thank you for men and women of God that have said yes to you. Multitudes like Nehemiah have said, here I am, let's do this, and embraced you, God. We're asking <laughs> to do that in us, with us, through us, and beyond us. <sighs> yeah, God. We're asking you to rebuild the rubble of your church and use us to do it. For your glory, God. For your purpose, for your kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Thank you, God.